I would like to welcome you. My name is Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. Jitendra is going to give us a talk today. I want to thank the singers for welcoming us with uh, Come Gather Round. That is a song that Swami Kriyananda wrote and used to sing in the 60s and 70s as his beginning song of, of, of if he did a concert or a satsang or something, he would sing Come Gather Round with the guitar, on just the guitar, just with Swami. And uh, so I felt that Swamiji has welcomed you. And I'm very glad you're here and glad you've come gathered around. Uh, and um, it, whether around the computer or here in the Temple of Light. So I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light. And our topic this week is intuition is simple, the intellect is complex. Truth is one and eternal, Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 10, we read a passage that Yogananda often quoted. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. It has often been noted that a critical attitude tends to paralyze creativity. Good critics, for example, seldom produce works of creative genius. Though their creations may be intellectually clever, the intellect separates, it analyzes, then puts things together again piece by piece. Intellect lacks intuition's flow, which descends smoothly like a river from the superconsciousness. Paramahansa Yogananda described intuition as the soul's power of knowing God. To receive the kingdom of God, Jesus was saying, one must do so with the openness and trust of a little child. Intellectuals may object to this statement, saying, but there must also be discrimination. You wouldn't want a person to be so open-minded that his brain falls out. The truth is, however that the intellect can be fooled, even when it does its best to discriminate wisely. Only intuition is capable of penetrating to the heart of a matter and knowing truth from falsehood. It was the clear understanding of a child, not the elaborately persuaded intellects of his elders, that enabled the child in Hans Christian Andersen's story to cry out in surprise, why isn't the emperor wearing any clothes? Therefore, it was that, Sri Krishna said, in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, to you who are free from the carping spirit, I shall now reveal wisdom sublime. Grasping it with your mind and perceiving it by intuitive realization, you shall escape the evils of delusion. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, om, om. 
It's nice to be with you all today. I'd like to start with reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. And when I read this poem, this prayer that Yogananda Ji gave to us, which we've all heard this perhaps many times, where at the end of each sloka, we will repeat, God, God, God. And because we can't repeat that out loud, I invite you to repeat that along inwardly. But after we chant inwardly, God, 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 that we just take a moment and listen to the silence before I'll read the next passage. So I invite you to close your eyes and feel this is Guru, God, speaking to you through your soul. From the depths of slumber as I ascend the spiral stairway of wakefulness, I will whisper, God, God, God. Thou art the food, and when I break my fast of nightly separation from thee, I will taste thee and mentally say, God, God, God. No matter where I go, the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee, and in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be, God, God, God. When boisterous storms of trial shriek and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises loudly chanting, God, God, God. When my mind weaves dreams with threads of memories, then on that magic cloth will I emboss, God, God, God. Every night in time of deepest sleep, my peace streams and calls joy, joy, joy. And my joy comes singing evermore, God, God, God. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any, God, God, God. Oh. Well, very nice to be with you all today on this very fun topic, very important topic. <clears throat> I wanted to start off by sharing something that our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda said several times that mankind is engaged in an eternal quest for that something else that will bring him that complete unending joy and happiness. For those who have sought and found God, the search is over. He is that something else. In this topic, in this uh, saying that our guru gave to us helped me remember a dear, dear friend uh, of many of ours, uh, Nayaswami Ramdas. And Ramdas really came th 
to me through this topic in so many ways, as his life was a, a real pure reflection of the essence of the power of living in that spirit of a child, of being open and receptive. And I wanted to share this story that happened once when uh, Ram Das and Nayaswami Prakash, they would come to the monastery and Nayaswami Ram Das, for those who are not uh, familiar with this great soul, he later in his years, in his life, he had this advanced dementia. His memory and many things related just checked out and no longer was present in Ramdas, but that was okay. Ramdas was just this bundle of joy and devotion as he would bless many by his presence. And so, but also what comes from this, there was frustration and sometimes um, tantrums that would be uh, thrown just like a little child at times when things got challenging for him. And so I remember one time when uh, Prakash and Ramdas came to the monastery and Ramdas was really in a, a confused state and very anxious and tense and just not happy. He was not a happy camper and he did not want to be there and he just couldn't figure out why he was feeling restless. So I thought, let's go for a walk. So I invited Ramdas for a walk and as we walked, you know, we talked about nature, we talked about how much we love candy and other things that are, you know, uh, childlike um, conversations. And uh, along our journey, he was getting more and more frustrated. So we stopped. And Ramdas, he was trying to communicate to me. And at this point in his life, he was even having a hard time to communicate any of his ideas or thoughts. And so he was frustrated and angry as we stood there looking at each other. And he was trying to describe to me something that he felt really strongly about and he was just trying to say I, I can't explain it it's just I, I just want and he wanted something really bad but he couldn't communicate it so then I just was patient with him and I just was talking to him and he and I gave him the time and space to really explore uh, finding the words finding what he wanted to share with me and so after five, ten minutes of just this exploration of the mind, of trying to put words to his heart's desire in what he was trying to communicate. And then finally, it was like the sun came out of a, you know, a rainy day. He just looked at me and he said, I just, I just want God so much. And it was just, I felt this tremendous blessing that came to me through Ram Dass. Now here's Ramdas, who his mind had checked out of the body a long time ago. But remaining was this fire and this power of God's love in this ever-increasing sense of joy and freedom. And what a beautiful lesson for all of us when we get caught in trying to intellectually understand and to find the perhaps the answer that we have been longing for for so long. This, thank you, Nayaswami Maria, <clears throat> Maria, for the wonderful chanting. And this chant that Maria did, you know, I am the bubble, make me the sea, is one of my favorite chants, not only because I am a surfer and love the ocean, but this is a, a very important chant, I think, because we can sometimes get caught in trying to figure out everything 
about the waves. I can't believe I'm saying this as a surfer, because this is really the surfer's life of understanding everything about the waves and getting to know the waves and getting in tune with them. But the goal for the devotee is to look past that to the ocean and the waves representing our lives, that we can spend so much time trying to understand and find this sense of completeness with learning about the wave of the ocean. And yes, we do have to engage in learning about the waves, about our lives, but as our guru said, once you get to know the ocean, as you melt your sense of I into the great presence of God, of God's love, then you will not only know everything about the waves, but you will know everything in the universe. And so, one of the things, of course, we do need to uh, engage the intellect. As our guru said that God gave you intelligence so that you may develop discrimination to seek him, but to be cautious. Because as he said that, with too much reasoning comes hesitation, confusion, and doubt. In a good example of this, uh, perhaps you're aware of this movie, The Christmas Story. Uh, the main character, Ralphie, who is this young boy living in the 1930s, uh, he was very, very excited one day as he got the mail and he got something he's been longing for, which is this little orphan Annie decoder pin. And he was so excited because he had to get this decoder pin, uh, he had to drink gallons of Ovaltine to get this, this little uh, decoder. And he received it. So he knew at the five o'clock uh, radio broadcast that he was going to be able to decode this message and feel the sense of freedom you know, that he was seeking in his life. And so he received his pin, he ran into the house, moved everything aside, he sat in front of the radio, um, and he got his pin out. And so this uh, Offering any broadcast was giving this uh, you know, decoded message. And he was sitting there and the sweat was coming down him and he was so excited to arrive at this great illumination of wisdom. And so as he sat there for many, many minutes decoding this message, and then afterwards he wrote, you know, he wrote everything down, and then he read back the message. And the message was, make sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> and of course, Ralphie's response to that was, oh, yeah. <laughs> But I was, this story reminded me of so much of what we can get caught in, isn't it, in life, where we can approach our spiritual life, we can approach God in this complex way. But friends, we do not need a special decoder. But what we have, every one of us, that allows us to tune into that great light, which in that light, Yogananda said that knowledge is light. It illuminates and reveals the nature of reality. That's our focus. That's where we want to spend our time, to spend our devotion in that state of silence. 
And in that state of silence, focusing on that light, because from there, we begin to not only understand the answers to our questions and to feel that sense of fulfillment, but we get to know God in the silence. Yogananda said that living with Master, it wasn't intellectual learning, but rather he would relate and he would speak to your soul. He said the type of learning living with Master was something that you never felt to write down notes and then try to memorize those notes because he would, he would teach in a way through recognition. He would speak to your soul until Swami said your soul would rise in recognition to the extent that it can to receive that which he was trying to bestow upon the devotee. But of course, it was different for everyone in terms of the level in which they were able to receive and understand these teachings or lessons. And Yogananda said it's not a pumping from outside in that gives us wisdom, but it's the level of receptivity in the depth of our receptivity, which determines the level in which we can attain this knowledge, attain this realization. I wanted to just do, uh, provide a brief example of this recently that um, we, as a Sangha, chanted Om Guru uh, for 24 hours, which was a real blessing. And I thank the music ministry in, uh, for coordinating that because there were devotees all around the world, India, Italy, New Zealand, and everywhere around the world chanting Om Guru. And it was so powerful and beautiful. And I was invited to chant Om Guru for 30 minutes to add on to this vigil. And so I was in the online with Ananda studio chanting Om Guru for a half hour. And after I was finished, I felt uh, Yogananda Ji's presence really strongly. And so I didn't want to move. I didn't want to go back to my office and re-engage in activity. Uh, but I had to because I had a meeting. <laughs> so I was sitting there and I just sat for a while and just observed things around me because I wanted to be in that silence and stillness that I felt. And what I noticed was that the clock was ticking. Tick, tick, tick. The computer uh, time on, on the computer was you know, clearly representing to me that I needed to leave. I had, a, on my phone, I had set a timer for 30 minutes, and my, the timer was clicking down. Uh, also, the Zoom recording that I had was also processing, and that was telling me how much time was going to be left. So all of these things, I noticed, gosh, I'm being attacked right now by this function of time. But, you know, there was a moment of realization that I felt as a reflection of what Guruji is telling us here, that progress is not made through this function of time or taking out the measure stick that we might have learned as a child of how we measure success and how we can understand a sense of completeness or achievement. It really, in that presence of stillness, in that presence of the guru, in the presence of God's love, everything diminishes, and all they're left, all that, all that's left is this experience of eternity, this experience of this absolute knowing 
this absolute certainty of God's love. And so you feel that the senses shut off and all of these attachments to the outside world naturally begin to fall away as we continue to go into that silence. And it's simple. We can make it simple. Chanting Om Guru, it doesn't get any simpler. But from that leads us into that silence of the soul. And in there we begin to know God. We get to know the answer to how to get out of maya, how to get out of this delusion, which of course is through Guru's grace. Um, there was a great film that I watched that I highly recommend. It's called Into Great Silence. Now, it only took me about three or four years, as well as becoming a monk, to get through the whole film without falling asleep. But I highly recommend this film. It's a very powerful film. It's a long film, and it takes place in a monastery in the French Alps. And they just document the lives of these monks. It's really beautiful. And I want to bring back our dear friend Ramdas again in this story, where as a monastery, we were watching this film together. And now it's a silent film for the most part. So the monastery is very quiet. And after hour, two hours, you know, the third hour is clicking on, the thought came to me, you know, I wonder what these monks are thinking. You know, because you can't, the film doesn't give you that insight. And so I just asked the question out loud, broke the silence. I was that person who did that. And so I broke the silence and I said, I wonder what they're thinking. And silence reigned, no one answered, like good monks. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, Nayaswami Ramdas answered my question. He said, nothing. And I, everyone thought, gosh, you know, this is interesting. And then a minute goes by, and Ramdas, again, he speaks up, and he says, no thing. And I thought, that's wisdom. In this lies so much truth that as we seek to be saturated in that silence, that we attune to the own vibration, as we attune to the Guru's grace, as our soul opens in receptivity to be consumed, to be saturated by that grace, then everything melts away. And we find ourselves immersed in the great ocean of stillness, the great ocean of silence. And so, Approaching God, approaching the Guru with that childlike simplicity of finding that deep sense of devotion in the silence and focusing it on any of the aspects of God or focusing it on the Guru, we then begin to receive and make great spiritual progress through that, that stillness and silence. Um, to illuminate this a little further, uh, Swamiji tells a story in the path of being with Master and how he emphasized the importance of silence. And he tells a story that the, the second and only time uh, after being with Master with his initiation of coming to Yogananda and receiving discipleship, 
This was the second time that he was left alone with Master. And so he quickly thought, ooh, this is a great opportunity to learn something, anything. I mean, this, I didn't want this. Uh, he said, yeah, I don't want this opportunity to pass by. And so as he was sitting with Yogananda, they were in silence, and he was testing the waters a little bit, wanting Yogananda to say something or guide the conversation, but nothing, silence. So Swamiji said, well, I'll, I'll be the one to break the ice. And so he said, you know, he said, uh, Guruji, I, um, I, you know, I've been told through um, another disciple about this Om vibration, um, that we can commune with Om. Can you, yeah, what does this Om sound like? And so some silence went by, and then Yogananda just went, and then again, silence saturated the situation. And so then Swamiji wasn't satisfied with that. So again, he approached Yogananda, and he said, you know, I, I've, I've been told that there's a way to tune into this through a technique so we can hear Om. And Yogananda didn't say anything. He just resumed the, the actual technique of the Om technique and then released his arms back down and silence again reigned. And Swamiji just understood in that moment that the importance of silence to be spending time with God. As our, our guru said that God speaks through silence. But often he is not heard because he's drowned out by the loud noises of ringing phones and all of the senses that are in, engaged with the world. And so again, we have to find the time to be in silence, whether it's for taking seclusion, which our guru highly recommended, or half a day, or find whatever you can start with. But spend that time to disengage and be in silence and think of God I wanted to close with uh, this story uh, or this dream that came to me just a couple of nights ago when I think I was praying uh, deeply to uh, Guruji and Swamiji for help. And um, so I had this really beautiful dream that I feel to share. And in this dream, I was in this classroom with our guru. And there was a movie playing which reminded me of when I was in elementary school, we would sometimes uh, watch these films about history and some things that were complex to understand. They would show a movie to help us understand it, but oftentimes what would happen is that was also an opportunity to sleep because the lights were off and it was good time for escaping. But in this dream, Guruji was also teaching along with showing us this movie. And in this movie, it was complex. And there were political uh, arguments and things being, un we're just trying to, he was helping us understand to break through the complexity and just find truth in this world of, of Maya. Um, and so I was not understanding anything. Yogananda was just saying, you know, trying to help us understand. And, and I just remember the more we went on, I became more and more confused. And I kind of started to feel a little sad that I wasn't understanding. And so Guruji invited Swamiji to come into the classroom. And uh, so as soon as Swamiji came in, Swamiji 
turned the light switch on. And he stood in front of the, the class, and he just started to sing, Home is a Green Hill. And I just started crying. And in that moment, I understood everything. I understood everything about the movie, everything that Guruji was trying to teach us. Because through this song, Home is a Green Hill, and through just being centered with an open heart and feeling that sense of grace, everything came, everything was revealed. And Swamiji, after he sang Home is a Green Hill, he said to everybody, and I share this with you all, he said, listen to my music. And he used to say this very often. And I invite you, listen to Swamiji's music because it helps us to uplift our consciousness and to become full in the heart of feeling the Guru's presence, of feeling God. And in that, everything else will be revealed. So I invite you to listen to Swamiji's music as a way of aiding in your attunement to Yogananda and aiding in attunement to your soul. And I'd like to just close with this reading by Yogananda of something that you can also take with you to help remember of what's important in our spiritual life and to simplify our approach toward God and just to be ever more present in the heart and opening to that light within. So I invite you to close your eyes and I'll read just this first part, which I invite you to repeat. And then I'll close and read a few more sentences from our guru. So gazing upwards and feeling this illumination of this light, which is the guru, which is God within you, repeating silently, I am submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of my being. I am living in that light. The divine spirit fills me within and without. I am submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of my being. I am living in that light. The divine spirit fills me within and without. I am submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of my being. I am living in that light. The divine spirit fills me within and without. And our guru said, I will close my material eyes and dismiss the temptations of matter. I will peer through the darkness of silence until my eyes are relatively open into the one inner eye of light, when my two eyes of good and evil become single, and behold only the divine goodness of God in everything. Then I shall find my body, mind, and soul filled with his omnipresent light. Om Guru. God bless you. Oh, Miss
of the 